morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you back to a series just begun last week on this exciting book called Joshua. It's an exciting book with, uh, well, there's a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, a lot of incredible Bible stories that you've heard about and read about and maybe remember back from Sunday school days even as a young boy or a young girl. We continue with that in our second installment as we work our way verse by verse through much of the book of Joshua. Before we get there, though, I came across this story. A traveler's car broke down near a monastery late one night. With no place else to go, he walked to the monastery, explained his situation. The monks graciously invited him to spend the night. They gave him something to eat and even repaired his car. During the night, however, the man heard an extremely strange sound. The next morning, he asked the monks about it. Their reply, we can't tell you, you're not a monk. Disappointed, but thankful for their hospitality, he went on his way. Many years later, the same traveler had the same car problems in front of the same monastery. Once again, the monks were helpful and happy to give him a place to stay, to feed him, and even to fix his car once again. And yet once again during the night, he heard that same strange noise from years earlier. Again, in the morning, he asked them, what was that noise I heard during the night? Their reply was the same, I'm sorry, we can't tell you, you're not a monk. But he said, All these years I've wondered about that sound. I'm dying to know what it is. So tell me, how do I become a monk? Well, they explained, first you must travel the earth and learn to speak the language of every culture and tribe that exists in the world. Then you must do one kind deed for every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. Finally, you must climb to the top of the highest mountain and count the number of stars that exist in the heavens. When you have done all of this, you're well on your way to becoming a monk. Undaunted and excited about the possibility, this man took up the challenge. Some 45 years later, he returned to the monastery and knocked on their door. He says, I've traveled the earth. I've learned over 6,000 languages. I've performed kind deeds for over 9 billion people. I almost froze to death on the highest mountain where I learned and counted that there are over uh, 19 trillion stars. The monks were amazed. Congratulations, they said. You are so close to becoming a monk of the highest order. We'll now take you to the source of the sound. So they led him to a wooden door where one of the monks said, It's just behind the door. The man tried to open the door, but it was locked. How do I open it, he asked. Well, first, you must memorize the Old Testament. Oh, boy. However, he went to his room, and within a number of months, he came back having memorized the entire Old Testament. In return, he was given the key that would unlock the wooden door. As he opened the door, he encountered another door made of brass. It was locked. Well, how do I open this one, he said. Well, you must memorize the New Testament. Frustrated, he went back to his room and opened up the Word of God and memorized the New Testament. Within a few months, he had the key to the brass door. 
Once again, they accompanied him to the strange sound. He unlocked the wooden door, unlocked the brass door. There was finally one more door. It was made of gold, and yet it too was locked. They said, this is the last one. To receive this key, you must spend one year in the dungeon with only bread and water to sustain you. He'd invested all of this time, so what's one more year? He excitedly went to the dungeon, spent one year with only bread and water. Emaciated, tired, and weary, he was once again taken to the source of the sound. He unlocked the wooden door. He unlocked the brass door. The man, uh, the monks rather, gave him the key to the gold door. Hands trembling, he placed the key in the lock, unlocked it, turned the doorknob and opened the door. Behind it lay the source of this sound, the sound that had tormented him for years and years, decades upon decades, and without a doubt, however, it was worth all of the years of pain and suffering. Want to know what it was? I can't tell you. You're not a monk! Don't you hate that? All the buildup, all the time of waiting for the end of the story and you don't get the punchline. Maybe you've heard some other people that way. And you wait and you wait and you wait and then you don't receive what you were hoping to receive. Unfortunately, sometimes we feel that way about God. We feel as if he, he, He's promised us something, He's promised us his, his presence, or He's promised us His promises, and nothing's happening. We're getting to the end, we're getting to the end, we're ready for the payoff, we're ready for that punchline, if you would, and then we don't receive. Or maybe you feel like, kind of like the man in the story, you almost feel as if you've got to jump through hoops. You've got to do certain things in order to get God to do something for you. Maybe you've felt that way. You've been challenged. You've struggled with, how do I receive God's promises? We say, every promise in the book is mine, right? Every chapter, every verse, every line, and we say it and we sing it and we say, standing on the promises. So we know that there's lots of promises but how do I get them? How do I receive them? Are there, are there certain things I've got to go through? Do I have to do all the things that the man in the story did? So what we're going to be looking at this morning is receiving the promises of God. We're going to try to simplify the process, make it a little bit easier to understand. It doesn't mean it's going to be an automatic thing. We're going to take a look in Joshua chapter 1. Go ahead and find your way to that part of the Word of God and your Bible and your device. We're going to look at how we receive the promises of God. So again, Joshua, we're looking at the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. It is in a time of transition. They have transitioned from Moses to Joshua. In our nation, we've just gone through a time of transition in our presidential uh, aspect from one president to another president. A little difference, however, here in the Word of God. This was not because 
Moses' term had run out. This was not because Moses had been voted out of office. This was not because Moses was impeached. As we looked at last week and as we looked at the opening portion of Joshua, chapter 1, it says that Moses was dead. And God had selected Joshua to be the new leader of this nation. So they're in a time of transition from leadership, Moses to Joshua. They had gone through hundreds of years in slavery, and now they had gone through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because they were not following what God had desired them to do. But now God says, it's time. It's time to head to the promises that I've declared for you. And so last week we looked at, boy, there's certainly some of the, the challenges that come with change, the challenges that come with transition. And, and we looked at how, what are some of those challenges and how can we overcome them? This morning as we look to Joshua chapter 1, we've got to see what are some principles that you and I can follow in order to receive the promises God has for you and I. So we left off, we read all the way through verse 9 last week. We're going to pick up with Joshua chapter 1 beginning in verse 10. So Joshua ordered, or in other versions or translations it said, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. And in verse 12, but to the Reuben, uh, Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, or Joshua called together. Very first component here as we look to receive God's promises would be this. We need immediate obedience. Uh-oh, I went and said it. It's one of those four-letter words. Literally, it is. The word is obey, right? O-B-E-Y. It involves immediate obedience. You see, as we took a look at Joshua chapter 1, God was speaking to Joshua. And God gave him some insight. God gave him some instructions and some directions. And what did Joshua do? Did he discuss it? Did he debate it? Did he put it in, in some kind of large component and say, let's have this uh, one-year study on this? He simply went and did what God said to do. He obeyed the instructions that God had just given to him. See, here's the thing. For many of us, sometimes obedience is kind of the last thing on the agenda, it, it's not first, it's not the priority, it, it tends to be the last thing on the agenda. We have individuals, and, and maybe you've seen this with kids or with grandkids or in a class maybe that you have taught, but maybe you give an instruction to do in the classroom, or maybe you give an instruction on getting ready for bed or cleaning a room, and it's amazing, once those instructions come forward how all of a sudden all kinds of other things pop up. i got to finish. I'm in the middle of. i got to do. And the instruction that we've just given them, which we feel should be high priority, gets kind of dropped down behind all of these other things that they might choose to do. Now we might laugh or we might chuckle or we might smile at those kids or those grandkids or the people in those classes don't you and I do the same thing many times? God speaks to our heart. God speaks to our life. 
as he gives instructions. And we say, oh, wait a minute, God. I, I, I just remembered. I was in the midst of doing something for somebody else. I know you're talking to me from the word of God, but let me do something else. And that immediate obedience isn't so immediate. The story is told of General Stonewall Jackson in his famous valley campaign. His army found itself on one side of the river, but it needed to be on the other side. After telling his engineers to plan and build a bridge so that the army could cross, he called the wagon master in to tell him it was urgent that the wagon train cross the river as soon as possible. The wagon master started gathering logs and rocks and fence rails, anything he could find, and he built a bridge. Long before daylight, General Jackson was told by his wagon master that all the wagons, all the artillery had already crossed the river. General Jackson then asked, well, where are the engineers and what are they doing? The wagon master's reply, they're in their tent drawing up plans and designs for a bridge. One group of individuals said, we're going we're to study, we're going to plan, we're going to look at every aspect of what needs to be done. The other little guy simply said, I'm going to do it. Which one are you? Which one am I? When it comes to God's words, when it comes to God's instructions, do we say, well, that sounds good, God, but let me, let me finish doing what I want to do then maybe I'll do what you desire for me to do. I'll obey. It's just going to take me a little while. Delayed obedience. Someone has said delayed obedience is disobedience. It's a challenge to us. James puts it like this in, in a well-known verse, chapter 1, verse 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. See, there's some good news and some bad news. You want the good news first? The good news is we are really, really, really good at hearing the Word of God. We soak it up. We hear God's Word. Many of you were here at 9.30 on a Sunday morning doing this thing called Sunday School Discipleship. In a class, maybe your kids or grandkids were in a class, or you yourself were in an adult or young adult class, learning and hearing and talking and discussing the Word of God, and you had a lesson, or your kids had a lesson about God's Word, and now you're here Sunday morning at 1030 during our morning worship service, and you're hearing from God's Word, and many of you will be here on Wednesday night. And many of you, hopefully, will take that challenge to get into God's Word on a daily basis, and you'll read and hear and study God's Word. So over the course of this week, we'll hear a lot of lessons and messages and scriptures we hear really, really well. It's that obedience part we struggle with. It's all right if it's quiet. If, if we were speaking honestly, we'd probably just say, ouch, instead of amen. That's okay. The challenge is, it's a struggle for us to immediately obey. We're good at saying, okay, let me study. I'm going to open up God's word, and I'm going to read and see what he wants me to do. Oh, that's good. 
But instead of doing it, let me go over here and let me read and see what God wants me to do. Oh, that's good. I'm going to put that right after that other lesson. But, but let, me, let me go to this next study. Let me go to this next message. Let me go to this. Let me go to this. And we hear and we hear and we accumulate and we, we soak up God's word. But we struggle many times in the doing of it. Joshua, after he had heard God's word, went out and began to do it. It was immediate obedience. Someone's said that a good gauge of our commitment to God is how quickly we obey. That's a challenge. Because when we ask somebody else to obey, if it's a family member, if it's a child, if it's uh, somebody in our class, if it's someone in our job, when we ask somebody else to obey, we expect that it would be done quickly. And when they don't do it quickly, we wonder maybe about their heart, or we, we wonder maybe about their motive or their attitude, or we wonder if they're just too busy with other stuff. We, we want what we've asked them to, to be done. But yet, when God asks us, many times all kinds of other things get in the way. Will we obey, and will we do so immediately? Will we follow through on what God wants for us? When we delay, many times it, it delays what God wants to do, what God desires to do in our hearts and in our lives. We've got a lot of promises. We've got a lot of God's word. Hopefully we're reading it, digesting it on a regular basis for ourselves as we read and, and study and spend time with God. We have a lot of good opportunities for discipleship and classes and messages. So we hear a lot of the word of God. The challenge is, will we be like Joshua and his example? Will we obey what he speaks to us? There's a second component here for you and I to receive God's promises. Not just ought we to have immediate obedience, I believe we also need to have unshakable faith. Here's what he says in verse 11. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. There's this unshakable faith in God. First of all, Joshua himself needed to have some of that unshakable faith. I mean, he's taking over for a legend. Remember, we talked about it last week, Moses. People might be looking back and saying, I remember, here's what Moses did. He went up to Pharaoh and kind of called Pharaoh out and said, let my people go. Maybe they said it rather dramatically, right? Oh, and then he led us out of Egypt straight into the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind us. And he led us across the Red Sea. And then the, the sea swallowed up Pharaoh and his army. And then in the middle of the wilderness, I mean, there was manna and there was quail and there was water from a rock. Again, memories of the good old days. They're thinking about all of that. And now there's Joshua. Joshua needed to have some incredible faith and courage for this monumental task in front of him, right? This Jordan River that they're coming up to at flood stage would be about 
one mile wide, about three days' journey away. So it's a mammoth task, and it's coming up pretty soon. No explanation, no specific explanation at this point is given to Joshua. It's just simply do this and obey. Be natural to have a little bit of fear. Be natural to have a little bit of doubt. But Joshua, he obeys. He's sensitive to God. He's sensitive to his voice. He has this faith and trust that what God says is going to come to pass. So Joshua needed some faith. The people as well needed some unshakable faith. Hundreds of years in slavery, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and now they're coming up to this Jordan River. How are they going to cross it? How are they going to go in and conquer this land of all these peoples? If you and I were back there, wouldn't we want some details? Show me the blueprints, Joshua. What are you going to do? How are we going to do it? Who's going to do it? When are we going to do it? Start asking those reporters questions, right? Who, what, when, where, why, and how? I need them all answered, Joshua, before I take a foot, before I take a step. It would be natural of the people to say, I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little skeptical. They needed some of that unshakable faith as well. I mean, you're going to make a bridge? You're going to build a boat? You're going to get one of those really, 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 really absorbent paper towels and soak it up? I mean, what are you going to do, Joshua? And yet there is faith to follow what Joshua was saying as he had the faith to follow what God was saying. There were, there were no committees. There were no Jordan River Committee. It was simply God declared, and Joshua follows up with his commands, his orders, his instructions. Do we have a faith? Do we have a trust in God? Or do we sometimes discount what God might do because it doesn't fit the profile? It, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. God, I've never seen this happen. I've never seen this before, so surely you can't do this. How many of you know God does a lot of unique things? A lot of things sometimes for the first time. And yet many times we're saying, okay, God, you're wanting to do this, but my data says does not compute, does not compute. Sometimes we try to look at things so logically, which is good, but we're so logical, sometimes we take out the faith aspect in God. We say, logically, this makes no sense, so God, you must not be in it. If we're obeying him immediately, let's also trust and have unshakable faith in him. Not in us. If it's God's word and it's God's strength and it's God's power, God's the one that's going to be able to help you and I to follow through with what he's called us to do. This wasn't about Joshua. This wasn't about his bridge-building capacity. This wasn't about his capability. He chose him as the one. But he says, have the faith, have the trust in me. Do you and I have immediate obedience? Will we follow it up with some unshakable faith that he will do what he's promised to do? See, he makes... But he keeps his promises. 
There's a final thing. Immediate obedience, unshakable faith. Thirdly and finally, we must have persistent patience. Oh, boy. Obedience and patience, all in the same message. What are you doing now, pastor? Persistent patience. Check it out in verse 12 and following. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the Lord of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. He's saying, have some of your fighting men be ready for battle. In other words, this is going to take some time. It's a, it's a process. Be patient. How many of you know that sometimes the blessings that God has for us and the blessings that we're able to experience come as a result of the battles and the struggles and the challenges? It's not always easy receiving all that God has promised and all that God has challenged and blessed us with. See, many times we like the microwave-style blessings. Just nuke it, God. Nuke it. How many of you love that microwave, right? Whatever it is, you just pop it in, push a couple buttons, let it do its work, and in a relatively short period of time, presto, you've got a meal, you've got a snack, you've got this, you've got that. Many times we want that with God when it comes to blessings. We, we want to take his word. We want to put it in the microwave. We want to push a couple of buttons. We want to nuke it and poof. Show me the blessings, God. How many of you have experienced that sometimes God's blessings aren't microwaved? They're crock-potted or campfired. Huh? We want immediate. We want the here and we want the now. And sometimes God says, it takes time to develop. Be patient, but persistently patient. Joshua is saying, this is going to take some time. It's going to involve some battles. It's going to be a challenge. So be patient. Many times there's that price, there's that cost involved with honoring obeying, and seeking after God. Now, what's interesting, he's talking to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. There's two and a half of these tribes of Israel, 12 tribes. He's talking to these tribes. The interesting part is, to some degree, they're settling for seconds. Did you catch what he was saying? In a sense, they had lobbied Moses. Moses agreed and said, okay, you can have this land east of the Jordan. But you've got to come and help everybody else conquer the land. And when you're done, you can go back to that land that you already settled for. 
that Moses already gave you. Sometimes you and I settle. Settle for seconds. You've seen some of those stores, not just secondhand stores, but some stores that sell seconds, factory seconds, or some of those where where there's like a, a mistake. I mean, you know, maybe Nike was printed upside down or... Maybe it's got three arms to it or something. You've seen some of those. And many times, you can't really even tell what the mistake is, but it didn't pass inspection. So maybe the stitching wasn't quite right. It might not be so obvious, but because it's a second, because it's not quite up to the standards, you can get a good discount on it. So you get something nice for less than if you'd get the real thing. It's kind of what happened here with these tribes. They saw that this land that was already here before they crossed over, it looked pretty good. It'll do. It's good enough. So Moses, can we have this land over here? Moses gave in. Moses said, yes. Joshua's reminding them, yes, you can have that land, but you're going to jump in, you're going to pitch in, you're going to help conquer the rest of the land. Sometimes what happens in our spiritual lives is that we settle. In our personal life, in our spiritual life, Kimmy and I, in many years of ministry and in youth ministry, hard to believe it's been over 20 years already of ministry, almost all of that together in in marriage. But we've seen countless young people as well as adults, settle when it comes to relationships. Boys, girls, young men, young women, grown men and grown women who can't bear to be without a significant other. Whether that's middle school, high school, college, adult life, rather than keeping standards high rather than saying, I want the very best that God has for me, they'll settle to whatever guy shows the quickest interest, to whatever girl responds to their interest. So rather than waiting for God's best, rather than waiting on somebody that God has who would seek after him, and put him first above all else, many young people, many adults, settle. And it's kind of what these tribes did. What we've found, what we've discovered on this side of the Jordan, it's good enough, close enough. I mean, for me to wait until somebody really, really good, I mean, who knows how long that's going to take. I need a guy in my life now. I need a girl in my life now. Seen it time and time and time again. Is it a challenge to wait? Yes. As a guy who went all through middle school with no dates, all through high school with no dates, all through college with what I would consider no official dates, I... I did ask a girl to our junior-senior banquet, not as a date. And as a guy who was almost four years into ministry before saying I do, yeah, it was a challenge to wait. 
and I'm so glad I did. I did not settle for just anyone. I wanted the very best of what God would have for me in a spouse, a woman who loved God more than me. These tribes, they were settling. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be persistently patient because what they saw looked pretty good right about now. It's not just in relationships that we see that guy or that girl that seems to be close enough to be what we want in our life. Maybe it's the job. Maybe it's that friendship. Maybe it's some other item in our life. We say, well, this is good enough. I'm not really going to seek. I'm not really going to follow after God. To me, it seems good enough. And we settle rather than being persistently patient. Oftentimes, we can then miss out on what God really wants to do for us and how he desires to bless us. Now, notice in these next few verses, the people's response. Verses 16 to 18, they, the people, answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will they be put to death? Wow! In other words, Joshua, we got your back. Their response involved immediate obedience, right? We'll do what you command. We'll go where you send us. Joshua displayed it, and now the people are saying immediate obedience. Secondly, they committed to this unshakable faith. We've got faith in you just like we had in Moses. May God be with you the same way that he was with Moses. So they've got, they've got immediate obedience, they've got unshakable faith, and they're pledging their persistent patience. We know it's going to be a challenge. We know it's going to be some time. We're going to give it time. And by the way, if anybody tries to mess us up, we're going to take them out for you. That's some pretty challenging stuff. Final thought. The very last words here in verse 18, after they get done saying that if anyone goes against your words, let them be put to death. Here's their final five words. Only be strong and courageous. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It sounds just like what God was speaking to Joshua time and time and time again in the earlier verses of chapter 1. So the closing thought for you and I is this. God's words must become our words. They were echoing what God was speaking. God was encouraging. God was pumping up Joshua to say, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. In fact, be strong and very courageous. So Joshua responds to the people, and then the people respond back to Joshua, only be strong and courageous. You ever been around someone so much that you started talking and sounding like them? 
Anybody have some of those words or phrases that they're kind of unique to that spouse, they're kind of unique to that family member, they're kind of unique to that boss or to that, uh, that, that neighbor or to that classmate? And because you spent so much time with them, you end up saying those things. Happens to me and to Kimmy. Kimmy's got some of her words that when we first met back in 1999 and got married in 2000, uh, words I'd not really heard before, or at least used in that fashion. Kimmy would say, well, we're going to piece on something. I say, you want a piece of what? A piece of pie? No, it's going to piece on something. That, just, that means kind of to nibble, to, to piece on. <laughs> And there'd be some little phrases here and there that I just, I'd not heard before. I'd not experienced before. 2006, our first bouncing baby girl was born. Autumn was born in April of 2006. And with babies comes messy diapers. And I, I changed my fair share. But how we said it, or I should say how Kimmy said it was, you got to change your butt. It's time to change your butt. And it took me a little while. I said, well, unless I'm mistaken, I think she's only got one. I think she keeps it. But the diaper that goes around it, I think, needs changing. Nevertheless, time to change your butt. Can you change your butt? I'm going to change your butt. Didn't take long before I'm saying, guess what? Hey, babe, I'm going to go change your butt. Where's the wet wipes? It's time to change your butt. Just hanging around with some of those words and phrases. Initially, at the very beginning, I was mentally thinking about, should I say it or should I not? And sometimes I intentionally chose not to, and sometimes I intentionally chose to. But then after a while, it just became natural. It would just slip out. We chuckle. Can we say the same about God's words? Are we spending so much time with God that his words literally become our words? That we respond to others with the words Jesus would say or the words that Jesus has said? Or are we still stuck saying our own thoughts and our own words? See, the Encouraging thing as we take a look at Joshua chapter 1. Though it hadn't been this extremely long period of time, God speaking to Joshua, Joshua speaking to the people, and the people speaking back to Joshua. They got it. They heard God's words loud and clear. It became their own words as they spoke back to Joshua. Be strong. Be courageous. In other words, exactly what God said, we're behind it. Exactly that. Where do you stand? Where do I stand this morning with God's words? Are we reading and studying and praying and living out his words? Are we stuck in our own? Are we immediately obeying or are we delaying our obedience? Do we have an unshakable faith that says God is about to do something incredible? Or do we say, nah, it's never going to happen? 
will we have a persistent patience that trusts and believes, even though it might take time to accomplish? Three things that I think are very key for you and I to have in receiving the promises of God. 